Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 20. Oh my god, episode 20. All right, well you know the drill by now, but in case you're new to the podcast, welcome. I've taken all your notes. Don't take notes. Go to my website, elizabethrfuller.com. If you want to support the podcast, work with me. I'm a food and product photographer and specialize in branding photos. So let's work together. Shoot me an email if you have questions for the podcast or questions for me. Or do you need like culinary sleuthing done? Hit me up. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Tag me in all your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Okay, let's go on a food adventure. Whew. So today we're talking about a lot of things. Um, we're talking to one of my really good friends who I met a lifetime ago, which I'll do an intro in a moment. And I think it's kind of uh, apropos to do it this week because Sunday was just Mother's Day. And man, what a great day. Moms and moms come in all shapes and sizes. And what I mean by that is that you can be a mom to care for obviously a human a fur baby, a stepchild, you know, really. And a mom isn't necessarily just a woman. A mom can be many different roles. If it's non-binary, maybe you're trans, maybe you're a dad who is also a mom. I mean, I think it's really the point is that you're caring for someone or something beyond yourself and you're nurturing and you put your needs sometimes aside to help care for someone or something else, which is important. So maybe you're a mom to a bunch of plants, whatever it is, we salute you, we celebrate you and we love you. And maybe you also lost your mom to COVID last year. And my heart goes out to you for that because my mom means the world to me. And, uh, yeah. Won't even go there, but my mom means the world to me. So today we are talking about a lot of things. It's kind of like a family fun episode. I was going to say family friendly. I'm pretty sure we swear. So I don't know if it's family friendly, but it's about, you know, a lot of topics revolving around family and kids and how to get picky kids to eat and, you know, uh, how to travel with kids, how to travel internationally with kids what that looks like when you have a family and a career and you're striving for more still. Like it's it's all really interesting and cool topics and kind of for me it's it's different because I don't have kids. I have well I do. His name is Oliver and he is two and a half and he is a big fluffy golden retriever as you guys all know. English cream, sorry, English cream golden retriever. And I know you can't compare being a mom to a fur baby to being a mom to a human. I get that. I was a stepmom for a little while too. Um, and it is very different. Don't get me wrong. It's very different, but it is still a selfless, selfless act that you do 
to nurture and care for someone other than yourself or something other than yourself. So anyway, but I can't answer how to feed picky kids. So I brought on an expert. I also can't answer how to travel internationally with children. So again, I brought on an expert. So I think we should bring on the expert. Okay. So Pam and I met, I'm going to say it was probably about 10 years ago, give or take a moment, at MIT. She worked at the MIT Corporation Office, and I worked at the MIT Faculty Club selling events. And so then and there, we fell in love. We planned a lot of events for a lot of famous people in this world. And we didn't sign NDAs, but we still can't talk about it. Or at least I didn't sign an NDA. She might have. I don't know. We can talk about that. No, I'm just kidding. She's a mom to three amazing kids, a wife, an amazing, amazing, amazing career-driven woman who I look up to and am in awe of every single day because honestly, I don't know how she does it. I really don't. We're going to find out together right now. And she's going to answer all of your incredible family kid questions. They were so good. And she also happens to be one of my really good friends. I love you so much, Pam. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Pamela Frazier. Hi, my sweet friend. Hi, how are you? I am good. It is, like I just said right before we started recording, it is so fucking good to see your face right now. Like, I miss you so, so, so much. So much. It's not, like, I would give anything to share a glass of wine with you right now. You should some really good food. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Restaurants so, we would talk about and go to. I know. Right. So, um, I already gave an intro and told everyone how we fell in love, but for those who might've hit the 32nd skip ahead button, which you shouldn't have, but if you did, Pam and I met, we fell in love. Would you say like it was 2010 ish somewhere in, in that? I would mm-hmm. say, say yes. Two, no. Cause, uh, 2012. That's when you started. Yes. Okay. So yes. that's when we fell in love. Yeah. So we fell in love at MIT. We're so smart. It's not even funny. We were, we did not go there. <laughs> we could have, we could have, we could have. Yeah. We're, we're not rocket scientists, but man, oh man, can we plan an event? <laughs> we, and we also know who's allergic to what, like you cannot serve certain people shellfish on the MIT corporation board. We're not killing anyone. Like so it's like always there. Like always. I remember to the day what drinks people want, yes. what they're allergic to. Yes. Everything. Yeah. Oh, I can see on the BEO, all of the notes for every corporation member and like what they're allergic to, like no trim for the Coke brothers. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I know uh, we won't go down memory lane, but we've worked with a lot of um, very prominent people in the world, like movers and shakers in the world and fed them food. And <laughs> in behind the scenes, it's yeah. It's amazing. It really, I feel very lucky and fortunate to have worked in that environment. I'm sure you do too. I think we need to go back even further. You have one of the most interesting stories about how you grew up and where you grew up and where you were born. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? So my dad's American in the Czech Republic in France. My mother is from Naples, Italy. And so I have family kind of all over the place within the United States and all over Italy. Um, When I was born, I was born in Oklahoma. 
-hmm. And I lived there for about five years, if not less. And then we moved to Germany for my father's job, which then put us a lot closer to my mother's side of the family in Italy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were there until I was a freshman in high school, middle of my freshman year. Don't recommend ever moving. (laughs) It's like the worst thing ever. I always tell people that. I mean, I would have paid anything. I remember begging them to just let me stay for a few more years to graduate school. It was, it was, it was really hard to go from one place that you considered home and being so close to Italy, being so close to my nonna, my nonna to just like up and like move. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we moved to Boston uh, in the middle of my freshman year. And I essentially lived in Boston up until about two years ago, we Mm -hmm. moved to Northern Virginia for my husband's job two years ago. And now we live right outside the DC area and it's been a lot of fun, but yeah. I know, but we miss you up here in the, in the Boston area. It sucks not having you here, but Hey, I get it. You got to share the love with, with other people in other places of the world. Fine. Whatever. We'll share you, but you speak French. No Italian, German. You speak a little French. You, yep. Obviously English. Is there another one am I missing? No, that was it. So Italian was my first language. And then I learned English. And then we moved to Germany. I started to learn German. Mm -hmm. And then I went to both. I moved around when we lived in Germany. So I went to both Department of Defense schools and an international school for a big period of time. So at at all the schools, German isn't considered a language because it's almost like ESL is here. Mm -hmm. And so it was a requirement at the international school to then take another language in middle school. So I chose French because I thought it was easier than Spanish, which everyone in my family disagrees with me wholeheartedly that Spanish yeah. is actually closer. And I'm, I'm like, in my brain, the way my brain functions, it doesn't. In my brain, French is a lot easier than Spanish. So yes, if you speak Spanish or you write to me in Spanish, I can pick up some of it, even Portuguese, I can mm-hmm. kind of pick up on it but it's still challenging. I don't know if it's the Arabic influence. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I mean, you, but you speak Italian and German fluently. German, I was pretty fluent. It's one of those things where you, you lose it if you don't yeah, use it. Use it. Yeah. It's in my brain. It's there. There's a lot that comes back to me when I do go back to Germany and the same goes, you know, the same as with French too. You know, it's, it usually takes a little bit longer with French kind of, Cause they're, they're just speak so fast, you know, and you're trying to do it just as fast as they do. And, and you can't always uh-uh. do that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's always in my brain. It's just a matter of actually utilizing it. And, taking- mm-hmm. and are you teaching the kids any languages? So the kids are learning Italian, but by saying they are learning Italian, it's very, uh, <laughs> I better who can see your face right now. Right now. Well, because I know Jack, when you guys were here, Jack, Jack is Pam's oldest. Oh, let's go through the kids. So let's give their names because we're going to reference them. So go through the kids and their ages right now. So Jack is eight years old. Enzo is three. And mm-hmm. we have Cosimo, who is almost five months. Oh my gosh. And when we were in Boston, so it's, you know, there are certain things as babies and as little, you know, as they've, they've grown up that I teach them in Italian, like little things within their room. Like they have a moon that I, I put on every night before bedtime. So we always reference that as the Luna. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, buonanotte. we always say, you know, good morning mm-hmm. and good night in Italian. We count all the time in Italian, but at the end of the day, kids don't want their parents to be their teachers. Yeah. And it would be one thing if I lived abroad where we were using a language on a daily basis, that's very different. But when you are not accustomed to speaking another language on a regular basis, mm-hmm. it's much more challenging. In my mind, when I was pregnant, each time I was like, I'm going to do better. This time. 
but it's like, it's just, it's hard, it's hard <laughs> to think of, you know, maybe if I was married to an Italian again, like yeah. if there's a person, you know, in the house that that was their primary soul language, then it would be easier. I, I do ask my mother to only speak Italian to them when they're really little. And then it gets challenging too, because they also want to speak English to her. Right. So it's sort of my mom does sort of a combination as well. Um, in, in Boston, Jack was going to this amazing Italian school in the North end. He was going every, I think it was, I think it was every Sunday that he was going. Yeah. Loved it. I loved the people. I loved the school. It was yeah. really great. And they really, it was, it was a wonderful school in the North end, but it was also the way they taught young children. They had fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like this very okay, st- I need a bottle. strict. <laughs> I love it. I need, I need mom. I, I, the baby's going crazy. Give me the bottle. You're making me do this. <laughs> love Jack. So matter of fact, I need the bo- mom. No. I need the bottle. Well, I kind of argued with him. I really just needed him to take the baby right now. So, yeah. um, so we did that in Boston and then we were really sad when we moved to Northern Virginia, because I felt like I'd finally gotten to like this great place with Jack. Right. Yeah. I'm so excited to like, think about the future with Enzo there. So I found an Italian school here in DC. Again, it's a wonderful school. It's much more regimented mm. than the one in the North end where, you know, it, it, it was, it was really challenging. It was really challenging for Jack. And the last thing I wanted to do, I ended up pulling him out right before the pandemic struck. I didn't have him go to the second semester because I didn't want there to be this animosity, mm-hmm. right? I want him to appreciate his culture mm-hmm. and his heritage and his, and the language. And he wasn't enjoying it because mm. he couldn't, it was above his head, the way they were teaching it. They weren't having fun with it. The yeah. way he was accustomed to kids learn very differently. Yeah. So I decided I paid for a three-year subscription of Muzzy on BBC, which is great for children. It's cartoons. And it's it's just sort of a way to kind of get them um, learning about Italian without realizing they're learning it. You know, and there's other languages. They have a ton of languages. So that's what I'm doing right now with Jack. And again, trying to practice here and there. Um, we often do go back to Italy. So that's yeah. a big influence. Um, so we're working on it. It's like a work in progress, but he... <laughs> He does appreciate it. And, you know, I'm glad that there isn't this like negative connotation with him learning Italian. Um, he likes to also ask a lot of questions like, how do you say this in Italian? Oh, that's good. And so it's like, he's learning and he really appreciates it. And so we're working on his language just in general. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, we didn't even know what he spoke. I mean, he just spoke Enzo. Like there, like nobody knew he would have a whole conversation with you. And we were like... I don't know what he said, but, um, <laughs> I think this is what he said. So we're getting there. You know, it's like, I say at night to all the kids, we always go, you know, buonanotte, mm-hmm. good night. Like they know, you know, like the, you know, all four languages we do that. Um, and it's so funny cause I don't know what Enzo's saying. Like I say buonanotte, <laughs> he's like, not that. I'm like, okay, that's close right. enough. Close. He's going to be speaking Mandarin. Working on it. <laughs> He is such a character. Like for his age, he's actually like 45 and he's just a drunk little tater tot. Like he is yeah. so funny. He's so funny. Yeah. He's, he's really funny, but they have Italian books, you know, so yeah. Italian books. there's lots of, you know, they like to watch YouTube kids, which is great because if there's a show that they really like, you can actually Google, you there's search for that show in the YouTube kids and actually say, you know, Peppa Pig in Italian. Oh, cool. Do that on purpose. Yeah. He won't always pick up on it, but then it's like slowly seeping into his brain, you know? Yeah. 
I agree. Like having things in the background, just as background noise, whether for even an adult, like whether it's like a, a podcast in Italian or even like the, the news or radio in Italian, I've got that on my podcast that I can listen to. And it just helps to reaffirm, like eventually you start being like, Oh, I know that word. Oh yeah. I know that word. Oh yeah. yeah I kind of understand what they're saying. Like I watch, um, call my agent in the front. It's all in French. And so like, I will have to literally put down every device and just focus on the TVs because I don't speak very good French. I took it in high school and I was learning, like Jack was learning in DC and it was so above my head and I hated it, but I, I still love the language. I love hearing it. And th- that show is so good. That one in Lupin, I think it's called Lupin, Lupin. I don't know. It's so good. Both are on Netflix. So if you want to learn French, highly recommend it. Um, do you feel like, because, so you grew up in Germany, you go to Italy more than anyone I know, especially in the Northern part. Cause that's where a lot of your family, right. Is now, am I right with that? Yes. Um, in um, I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time now that I've been going to the North. My Zio and Zia moved up there when he got a job. So anybody who knows the Italian economy knows that you go where, yeah, where work. the work is. Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot, yep. when, you know, at the end of the day. And so all my family is from the South. Yep. And uh, I also have family in Rome, but when my Zio moved up to Biella, which is in the North, it's about 45 minutes, um, West of Milan, Northwest of Milan. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of became like the, you know, one of the places I would often visit. Mm-hmm. And then after my nonno passed away, my nonna moved up North with my other, my mm-hmm. other. So my nonna was sort of where it's at, you know? And so yeah. I, I go wherever my nonna is kind of. Thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that helps shaped how much you love food? Like food is a big part of your daily life, your pleasures, what you're interested in. It's a very, you live a very food centric life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that it's very much a combination, at least on my father's side, for the short period of time, you know, I would spend in the States visiting family. My dad's side of the family, my great grandmother loved to cook and loved Mm -hmm. to host parties. And it's so funny, like side note, when I got married and selected my China, I I also inherited my great grandmother's China. Which is beautiful. I had no idea. We both picked this bone China from Japan in the same Tiffany yeah. blue, like the light blue. Yep. It was, it was just like amazing. It was just this amazing. Eerie. It was very eerie. eerie. Like, yeah. I remember her China. I, yeah. you know, it was like a couple of years after I had gotten married that my dad was like, oh, you know, we have this China for you. And it was like, oh my gosh, this matches my, it just, just made Almost me. perfectly. It's absolutely beautiful. I've yeah. been at events at your house when you pulled it out and it is gorgeous. Yeah. My nonna, my nonna, I spent a lot of time with in Italy growing up and probably more so than I did my American side of the family, even though I'm also close with them. Um, but my nonna, my nonno, they taught me everything there is to know about food and to cook. I mean, literally both my nonna and my nonno were cooking all the time. They taught me, you know, the importance of fresh ingredients. You know, I would go to the market every day with my nonna to get fresh food. And that still is a big part of like my routine, I think it's very American for people to go to the store once a week and stock up on every single item. I honestly couldn't tell you how many times John and I go to the store on a weekly basis. <laughs> that is how often we go. Like we'll go and we'll sure we'll stock up on frozen items or a few of the staples. Yeah. But when I want fresh food, I go every couple of days and I get the fresh food because mm-hmm. that's that's important. And like it just makes me remember the days of going to the market every day and getting mm. 
mm-hmm. or like whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, it's funny, like I love to cook and I didn't go to culinary school, but I like to say that my nonna taught me how to cook, which is kind of like just as good in my mind, if not better because I cook like a nonna, like yeah. all those grannies and all those nonnas that you see those videos of, like, that's how I cook because that's how my nonna taught me how to cook. And yeah. so like, I literally feel her and think of her when I'm in <sighs> all the time. Cause that's just, you know, just yeah, a- I love that. Well, and the thing about a lot of different cultures, but especially in, in the Italian culture is that there's no written recipes. Like you literally are watching your grandparents, your parents by doing, and then that's how these oral traditions are being passed down. So your kids are going to watch you and your hands, and then they're going to relate. I mean, you're going to drill it into your children. (laughs) Listen, boys, get in the kitchen right now with mom. We're making this. So what was, what was one of your Nona's like signature recipes that you love to this day? Um, she made a lot of fresh seafood. I mean, obviously being in Naples, it's one of the things that I make. It's a very popular dish that people always want me to make is uh, breaded fried shrimp, which I know seems very simple. Like, don't get me wrong. It, obviously in Italy, you're getting the whole shrimp and like mm-hmm. she would just fry and bread the whole thing. Whereas like here, I'm obviously getting it, you know, peeled and deveined or whatnot that and, um, pesce bianco. So she would just buy fresh pieces of fish should bake it very lightly. And you wouldn't serve it hot. You would serve oh. it like, kind of like room temperature. So it would be with parsley, you know, a little bit of olive oil, salt, and lemon juice. And it was just simple. And it was just like, it's amazing. Like it's in it, like, it's always hard to find those, those kinds of fish here in the States. Like you yeah. always try to find like what you can find. Brains, you know, it's kind of a close, mm-hmm. close, even I've done it with like red snapper where I'll make it a certain way. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know, would make it. Um, she had all kinds of dishes. Like it was funny watching the Stanley Tucci show, like the first one. I literally started sobbing into it. I did. I was like, oh my God, I miss Naples. I miss my nonna. And then of course I was like, he better not go to Ischia. And then I got pissed he went to Ischia because it's like a it's like a secret. I'm like, I don't need people to know my secret. I know, I know. I get very annoyed when it's like, I get very like, oh yeah, they're talking about Ischia. And then I get very much like, oh no, I don't really want you to talk about it because then the more people are gonna go and I really would prefer it like not be any bigger than it is now. Yeah. It was so funny when they did the whole rabbit. I was texting my mom and I was like, that is so funny. I was like, because the way that they did it on Ischia wasn't quite how my nonna did it, but I immediately remembered the taste in my mouth of precisely how she made her rabbit, you know, and it was like with roasted potatoes and rosemary and olive oil. Like I know exactly what she put in her like rabbit dish. You know what I mean? And it's like, you can can just like the memories of food and the smells and the taste. So yeah. And I, and I love passing down the the passion for cooking to my kids too, because they have a play kitchen in my kitchen. Oh yeah. It's a lot of food with me. He cooks a lot of food. Red snapper is one of his favorite dishes. Of course it is. Jack is, Jack is like, you know, eight going on 45. Like I love Jack. I mean, I've been at your house before and when Jack was very little and he had his play kitchen and he would, we'd be eating dinner and he'd be like, and here's your fake eggs. I'm like, thank you, Jack. I'm <laughs> That. Like he's always been in the, ever since he was a baby, he was in the kitchen with you. What about Enzo? No. Yeah. No. And he's always in the kitchen. He's always cooking. He's always bringing, he likes to bake. Oh. So his thing is cookies and he has a, 
He has a fishing set that he got for, for Christmas from mm-hmm. his babysitter and he loves it. So he loves to pretend to go fishing and then come into the kitchen, wash the fish and then cook it for me. Oh, I love that. I'm like, that's really nice. I'm like, yeah. Oh, get them young. Got to yeah. get them young. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I tried to embody my nonna a lot in my life, you know, in the way mm-hmm. like she hosted and she cooked and, you know, invited people into the homes. Like, it's just so funny. It's just a very different culture than it is in the States here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also being in Germany, you know, my parents traveled around a lot as well, you know, and so we would constantly be traveling, constantly going to different countries and trying new food, mm-hmm. German food. There's a lot of Turkish influence in Germany, you know, and so like, I love Turkish food as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to the international school and becoming friends with people from all everybody. Over. Yeah. My favorite holiday was the international fest where everybody had, you know, every country from yeah. the- each student had their own tent and, you know, you would contribute whatever your dish was that was, you know, a Greek or French or whatever. Funny, Like I would come home and be like, mom, I really want some stuffed grape leaves. And she'd be like, why do you want some grape leaves? I'm like, well, Effie's mom made it and it's delicious. And cause like some of the things that I would want, right. My parents wouldn't have normally eaten at home. Right. Right. It's just funny how I would have all these like big influences and stuff. So yeah, well, and then you have because going to the international school, you also have now have like a huge network of friends that are all over the world, and that you're able to go and visit and and experience their cultures. Because I'm sure a lot of them moved obviously out of Germany at different points in time, and it's so special because then you have such a more diverse round. You're just a, a more diverse rounded human, you know, by having these experience and these and these people in your life, but. Speaking of, of events, I've been to your house for many an event. <clears throat> you know how to host. You really do. And you, you, you have inspired me in a lot of ways, whether you know it or not. But I know this, this whole episode is very family centric and I don't have little ones. I only have a fur baby. Um, and so I, I can't really talk to this as much, but when it comes to entertaining you do it so effortlessly with children literally tugging at you. Like, I don't know how you do it. Like I can entertain with the best of them, but I don't have three small children asking me a million questions, needing something, having to stop cooking to go do 10 other things. Like how do you host such beautiful events with kids? Don't really know. Like, <laughs> you do it. Um, do. You, it's so second nature for you. It really is. It's hard for me to even like come up with an answer. I don't really know. I mean, it's one thing too. I feel like one of the times you came over too, I did that. Didn't you come over and I did that wine tasting mm-hmm. and I printed that sheet that we had at MIT for mm-hmm. a bunch of years that I was always referencing. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing was at that point when we hosted that, I only had one, right? right? He was easy. He just yeah. kind of did his own thing. And then I put him to bed. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. At like eight o'clock. Like right. he would cook for us in the, in the living room on his little kitchen and bring us like whatever. And we'd exactly. play along. Yeah. And then he'd go upstairs and just disappear. I mean, I think a big part of it is my kids are relatively independent to an Yeah, extent. they are. Like they don't need, they don't need me to handhold them. So they, you know, we do encourage a lot of independent play so they, they can entertain themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it depends really on the event. Um, because oftentimes we'll either do it around a time that we know we can put the kids down smart or we're having a party or an event where there are other children to entertain the kids. And then it's like, we have the adult event, but then we also have the kids events. So we always have like activities and foods and snack boxes and baskets. So that it's sort of their party, right? Yeah. And then they kind of get to 
you know, infiltrate the adult party a little bit too. So no, that's smart. And what are some of your favorite go-to recipes right now for, I mean, obviously COVID not really entertaining, but prior to COVID that you love to make, cause you've got some great recipes. You know, um, I was trying to think about that. Yeah. It's really hard. It's I'm very seasonal and it's mm-hmm. all based upon my mood, mm-hmm. you know? So it's sort of, it's what's in season. What am I feeling? You know, if, if it was, Right now, a September or October crisp day, I would make this app, this braised chicken and like apple cider and onions. Like it's always like this like comforting meal that yeah. in the crisp boss, you know, fall days in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, but it really depends on the season and, and what what I can get my hands on. You yeah. know, I Russo's market more than you even I know. I don't I know. So much. Um, I can't I have not found a, a zucchini flower since being here. <laughs> really? Do you have a garden? Um, I don't know that I would go so far as to call it a garden. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a bunch of trees and a dirt patch. There's not a whole lot. It's not a whole lot. I don't have a raised bed. I don't have a lot of things I had in my old house. Yeah. So I haven't quite gotten there no yet. chickens. Pam had chickens for anyone who cares. Yeah. I don't have chickens either. I no. can't have chickens in this house anyways. Like the, just per the bylaws of the town. <laughs> plus, plus the- I love, hold on, but I love that you looked into it. I <laughs> But you know, the other thing too, is it, the climate here is very different than Massachusetts. Yeah. So it would have been much more upkeep and there's way more, uh, predators. I'm oh, really? By hawks and foxes and snakes. I didn't have any of that in Massachusetts. I mean, sure. They're there. Don't get me wrong, but where I happen to be, you know, in Stoneham, no, there's no, none of that, you know, and, and <laughs> as particular where we had built the, the chicken coop, there was yeah. no, nothing no. You know, sure. There was a couple of hawks here and there, but I never had to worry about snakes or foxes. Oh. Or so here it's, it's much different. It much, would be much more challenging. Mm. Um, but I would say it's definitely my, it's definitely my mood. Um, I would say probably one of my go-to dishes when sometimes I have people over for the first time. And I think actually making this for you and Liz is my saffron chicken. Oh yeah. I've had it twice. Um, I love that saffron chicken. So I good. Eat it. And then when the broth is left over, I get mad if John tries to throw it away. I'm like, just put it into Tupperware. I'll, I'll drink it. Oh, yeah. I will literally drink it. So good. Yeah. No, you need like some scarpetti and like really just get up in there. Oh yeah. It is so good. It is so, yeah, no, I've had, I, I literally think I've had it twice a year. <laughs> it's, it's a keeper, but yeah, no, it's hard. It's like, I have so many dishes. I have a plethora of dishes that I yeah. like make. And so it's really dependent on the mood and the group of people that I'm cooking for and mm-hmm. like, know that they might appreciate and what they enjoy. Because for me, cooking isn't, Cookie's like the greatest gift I could give you. hundred percent. I mean, it's like, I would rather make you dinner and host you than buy you anything. hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's just like, to me, it's like, it's like giving someone the greatest compliment you could give them. It's like, for me, it's feeding you mm-hmm. makes me, fulfills me in a way that like, yep. I can't explain. It's just, it's just part of my blood. I can't help but to want to cook for you. So. I agree. And it's, it's an extension of how much we love you. Like you and I, like when we cook and host for you, it's uh, every bite you're eating is literally me giving you a hug. Yeah. And if like, you can't appreciate like what I'm, what it kills me when you go above and beyond. Well, it doesn't, I shouldn't say it doesn't kill me. It doesn't kill me. But when you go above and beyond and like all the planning the efforts, the recipes, the cooking ahead of time, the prep, everything. And then someone eats it and they're like, hey, it's good. anyway, how's it going? And you're like, no, no, like the, the French sea salt. I just sprinkled on that. Like you literally just brushed it off. No, take a moment. Enjoy yeah. savor my love. 
savor my love. Do you want to answer some listener questions? Cause girl, you got some. All right. So <clears throat> Karen in Los Angeles writes, my partner and I have two kids under 10 and we love traveling around the world, but we usually leave the kids with the grandparents. I don't blame you. We are nervous to take the kids with us because vacations are expensive. And honestly, I don't want them to air quotes ruin our time. Do you have any tips on how to travel internationally with kids? So I'm not going to lie. It's a hard question because to me, travel has been a part of my life since I was a baby. Mm -hmm. So it only seemed like a natural thing to do when I had children to bring them with me and do exactly what my parents did with me and just sort of drag us along. Um, I never lived in the same state or country as any of my family. So in order for me to see my family, we had to travel. So it was just sort of like ingrained in us. Um, You know, yes, it's expensive. Um, It's exhausting at the end of the day. I'm not going to lie. It is what it is. Um, But it's also really rewarding. Um, I traveled a lot growing up and as a single adult, as a single adult, and also with my husband before we got married. And there was never a question in our minds that when we had kids that we wouldn't travel with them. We're certainly due for an adult vacation, particularly after this pandemic. Um, But the thing is, we know each other well enough to know that we would go somewhere and we would spend the whole time going, oh my gosh, Jeff would love this. Such a fun time doing this or, oh, you know, it's funny. Like when you have kids, like you're like, oh, look, police car, you know, it's like fire truck, you know, or Ooh, playground, you know, it's like the things that you look at as a, as a, as a parent versus, you know, the not, you know, not having kids is very different, just the different lens. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, traveling as a family is very different than traveling as a couple and people relate to you. People want to connect with you. They see your children and they want to talk to you. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's very different than you showing up as a couple somewhere and then showing up as a family, the dynamic is very, mm. especially depending on like what countries you go to. Um, I feel like traveling with children, we've had a lot of perks. You know, you might go to a busy restaurant because you know me, I'm obviously researching restaurants before. I oh yeah, big time. But if I were to show up, like say I find a restaurant and I'm like, oh my gosh, I really want to go here. It's got like this great review. It's got this like, and we show up as a couple, they might kind of give you like a look over and be like, oh, we're really busy. And you show up with two kids you know what, we actually have a table over here. You know, if you think that you can like, they work with you and they're like, you know, you have your kids, you know, we have a reservation coming at this time. Would you think you would finish? And we're like, absolutely. Yeah. We'll we want to get in and out anyway. Yeah. We'll do that. And we've had that happen a lot of times. Um, one of our most memorable trips was actually going to Turkey. And I can't wait. Oh, I remember. Um, I remember researching things in advance because, you know, obviously we're very accustomed to going to Europe because most of the time we're going to Europe not because that's the only place we like to go. It's because we would always visit my family Mm -hmm. and then do like a side trip sort of thing. So when we chose to go to Turkey, I wanted to do the research. I wanted to make sure that we were being, you know, and obviously things are, you know, never always perfect politically in in Turkey. So it was really important to be mindful as a family, like what we were walking into. And I remember doing all this research in the Turkish culture. They love children. Oh, really? Acceptable in their culture is nowhere near to acceptable in American culture to the point where I had to sit down with John and say, okay, I've done some research. I want to kind of give you a heads up before we land in Turkey. Random people might pick up our child. If our child is crying, don't be shocked if somebody touches him or tries to console him. 
people love children. They will, they will, they are, they are like magnets to children. So I was trying to explain to him in like the, the brief way I could like, yeah, like don't suck somebody in the face. Exactly. Don't punch somebody in the face. Don't get all like defensive. Um, you know, I was like, don't, don't, don't freak out. Yeah. Mom was like, okay, sure. You know, whatever. Didn't think about it. So we arrive in Turkey and you know, uh, it's, it's always like, quite the drive from the, the airport to downtown. And, and we were sort of like in the historic district. And so we get to the hotel and everyone's super nice. And they're helping us check into our room. And uh, the bellboy, I was calling the bellboy. The bellboy saw Jack and we started talking to him. The next thing you know, they're gone, right? So I'm talking to the front desk and I'm doing a few things. And John's like, where's Jack? And you can hear him giggling. Like, you know oh, okay. he is, but you can hear him giggling and the guy talking to him, right? And John's kind of panicking. She's sure. like, where is Jack? My child's gone. I'm like, fine. I'm like, calm down. I'm like, we've had this conversation. I'm like, it's fine. Chill. Like, and if you're fine. not worried, then he doesn't need yeah. to be worried. I was like, don't yeah. worry about it. It's totally fine. And I think it was a good, like, solid 10 minutes or so where we did not have Jack, right? Like, it was just one of those things. And then he came back and everything was, everything was all good. And I told you, and I was like, I told you this was likely to happen. So later that night, we went to the, I think it was the Kumpaki district. And it was like, lively. There's, you know, it's almost like a, I don't know how to describe it. It was almost like a square. It was almost like a big circle. It was all these restaurants, multiple mm. restaurants and people walking through, you know, it's like almost like a piazza and uh-huh. we're outside eating. We picked a, re- you know, the first restaurant there. So funny. You picked this one restaurant and they just like, the waiters could have cared less about us and only cared about Jack. They were like, you know, giving him toys and things to play with. What can we serve him? What can we, what can we make him? And you know, they, you know, Oh my they, God chicken and they're like oh and then what can we get for you and it was so funny there was a table sort of like uh two tables away and it was like three middle-aged men I mean they're like biker dudes is kind of what like right they're ripping butts doing one of them came over tat you know looked at Jack pointed and 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 asked if he could take Jack and we were like sure okay like we're watching and he put Jack on his motorcycle and they're like and he took him over to the live band play it was just so funny and I was like I told you like in like literally the two hours we have been here we've now had our kid taken from us oh my god why do they like kids so much we just do and it's so funny so then we we went to I remember another night we went to a similar district and we were sitting there and and Enzo um Jack was in the high chair and women like because it was a piazza so people were just sort of Mm -hmm. walking Women would literally like look at him and just caress his face or kiss him as they walked by. <laughs> it was just so funny. I mean, he is a babe magnet. Don't get me wrong, but like, oh my gosh! So it happened everywhere. Like, no matter where we went, they just they just fixated on the kids. We'd be on a public bus, right? And of course, I'm always like, you know, trying to keep Jack right. Bus, you know, saying anything. And every person around us, you know, with like, is it Baba? I think is what they call Dad. I think it's similar. Right. Right. And so, you know, I think he was only two and he was saying daddy and this, you know, a couple people would chime in like older people, Bubba, Bubba. So then for the rest of the trip, he was referring to John as Bubba. Oh my God. So cute. So sweet. It was really, it was really, really cool, but it was just, you know, we took him. I remember he was a little over two or just about two and we went to a Turkish bath. Yeah, I remember. So John had to take him and it was really funny. Like he got to go and take the Turkish bath. Like it's just and they like, they literally like, he had his own person, this little two-year-old in like this Turkish bath oh and my God. couldn't take pictures in Turkish bath, but it was just so funny to hear that 
you know, they're like lathering Jack up just like they were doing to John. It was just so funny. So we had a lot of really good experiences. So the moral of the story is really do it. Like don't, uh, Karen, don't hesitate. Do it, do it for your children. You should, you know, they say a lot of times that yes, at a certain age, they don't remember things, but it's actually kind of amazing. Like at the end of the day, sure. Your two-year-old might not remember that, but you have that memory Yeah. And as they get older. It's amazing what they do remember. It's amazing that they can look at a picture and, and almost like recall a memory, even if they are, they were younger at the time. Mm. Like five. Um, so I think it's really important. I think it helps parents to just become more comfortable traveling but I'm going to be frank. It's, it's not always rosy, you know, we'll spend a lot of money and we'll go places and it doesn't always work out. You know, we went to Chamonix to go skiing and we had arranged for this kid training area. Right. So John and his friends were going to go skiing the rest of my, I was going to join him at some point or do something. I was going to spend the time doing this ski class with Jack paid all this money for these people. (laughs) We paid for the class, did all these things, John and everybody go, they leave 20 minutes later. Jack literally throws a fit, tosses yeah. things, and is like in the snow and not moving. And I was like, <laughs> and mind you, I don't expect to see John or the rest of them for at least four or five hours. Yeah. And, and they'll be buzzed by the time you see them. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then I had to basically trek because I didn't have anything on me because I thought I was going to be at the mountain yeah. the whole time. I literally had to walk in snow boots, carrying a kid in snow boots with both of our like <laughs> things through the, te- I was like, I was so angry and I, I had to find the nearest bar. I was like so mad, but, but these things happen. It's, right. It, is, it is, right? Like it's, right. it's children. So, right. And it's not the end of the world, but again, Karen, do it. Just do it because like you said, that was such a positive thing that your parents did for you and then traveling. And then you were now, you had confidence to do it with your own children now. And then they'll have confidence to do it with their kids. And also it's really good to normalize people and families in these places like these I mean it for someone who doesn't have kids I'm not one of those people that kids get on the airplane and I and I like tense up I don't care like I've held babies while moms go to the bathroom like I don't care like and I think it's society needs to make us all a little more comfortable you shouldn't have to hide your children you shouldn't you know so anyway Karen take your kids Dennis from Instagram asks or says my husband and I used to go out to very this is a good segue used to go out to very fancy restaurants to eat and now we have turned into the parents who try to get in and out of lower key places as quickly as possible during the earliest reservation we can get so our kids don't act up do you ever take your kids with you to nicer restaurants and do you have any tips so if we're home it depends for the most part, if we know that we're going to a really, really nice restaurant, no, I'm not going to bring them because if I'm at home, I'm going to hire a setter because mm-hmm. I want to enjoy my food. Um, you know, for that very reason of not wanting to rush, but also depending on the restaurant, kids just might not be appropriate to go. Right, like menton. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we do take our kids to restaurants. We're not chain people. You won't see us eating at TGI Fridays or anything like, you know what I mean? But we will go to restaurants and we take our kids to restaurants, but I think it's important to, you know, and definitely enjoy fancy meals as a couple pay for a sitter. If you can, I think that it's worth bringing your kids to restaurants. I think it's important to teach them manners in the public setting. Mm -hmm. They're only going to learn that when they go. And, you know, the other thing to note too, if you bring kids out with you, Um, and this tends to be the case now for us because we don't, we don't really have a big social 
um, you know, support system mm-hmm. here. So they are with us if we really want to go somewhere. So I know a lot of parents are probably going to roll their eyes if they hear this, but we give our kids an iPad. Why would they roll their eyes at that? Is that a no-no? Uh, I mean, I think there's lots of schools of thought in terms of like too much iPad time or whatnot. But for us, if we want to go out and enjoy a really good meal and we have our kids with us, yeah, we will withhold an iPad. What we do, and we do this actually more often traveling. So we've done this in San Francisco. We'll do, we'll do this anywhere we go is we will make reservations at a restaurant we want to go to mm-hmm. knowing that the kids won't eat anything there. So we will ask them, what do you want to eat? So we'll go get them a hamburger if they want a slice of pizza or if they want whatever it is they want, they want pasta. We give them their food. They eat their food. They're full. We then get to the restaurant of our choice. We Mm. sit down, we give them a drink, we give them an iPad and it's like silence. So we just go a lot when, before Cosmo was born, where at the time Jack could still fit in like the stroller, like barely, I mean, he's like, but it was great. We had this double stroller, one in front of the other, where. I found a couple restaurants in Chinatown and I was like, great, we want to eat this dinner and we don't want to be rushed. What can we do? We fed them. We gave them the iPad. And because it was nighttime, I put um, like a little blanket I had over. Oh, perfect. Literally in their own little world, hanging out. They might stick their hand up for a snack. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we were able to enjoy our food and walk around and do things. So, you know, smart, you know, it's just finding ways to entertain your kids. If they're younger, it's a little bit more challenging and you always have to have cars and stuff like that, but fancy restaurant, you're at home, hire a sitter. If you're out traveling, you can make it work. I love it. Naomi in Pennsylvania writes, I have two kids and both are extremely picky eaters. I am not. I love food. I'm not picky. That's why I, I, I love, it's like my nightmare. If I ever were to give birth to children, they would be picky and I would just cry, but birth to children in my age that that ship sailed i love food and always uh where am i i love food and always trying new cuisines how do i get my picky kids to eat what i want to make for dinner or at the very least not boxed mac and cheese it's so good so it's tough because each kid is so different um when i started introducing food to my kids i fed them everything yeah jack's a really good eater um yeah i mean he has his moments i'm not gonna say that he doesn't eat his fair share of you know, no, I've seen him eat ramen. Sure, hot dogs or you know chicken yeah. nuggets, you know. But no, he he's 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 a pretty good eater for for his age group. Um, I think one of the first foods I introduced him to was doll that I had made and mm-hmm. pureed. You know, I I um I think any pediatrician would probably scoff at this too. I did not shy away when it came time to introducing my kids to food. Maybe one, I think in the very beginning, like I last two days, I was like, okay, I'm supposed to feed you avocado. Great. How about some saffron? Like I'll, I'm like, oh, what am I making for myself for dinner? Great. Let's puree that bad boy. Like whatever it was, I pureed it and I fed it to them. And I remember even traveling with Jack at six months and like sticking my finger in food and stick it in his mouth. And my mother-in-law was like, aren't you afraid of allergies? And I was like, "Uh, no, (laughs) no, we'll figure it out. We've got some Benadryl, but, um, but no, I think I introduced him to a lot of things, but the thing is kids, you know, it's like one day they eat everything, right? So mm. Enzo and Jack would eat anything I gave them. And then one day, bam, they don't like it anymore. Really? But it's, it's one of those things that's your, your taste buds are constantly evolving oh. and children are so easily influenced by others. So not just their parents and their grandparents and their cousins, but it's school and at daycare. So my kids go to daycare, oh. go to daycare. and you know, Jack might've eaten vegetables to a certain point, but one day he went to daycare and saw some kid gag on a pea or a broccoli and 
he does not eat green vegetables. He has, he's eight years old. Oh, let me take that back. He eats one green vegetable. Do you want to guess what that green vegetable is? Uh, okay. Hold on. I'm going to go with spinach. Artichokes. Of course. Of course. Of course. Is the green vegetable he eats. And he only likes them steamed with a little, like a little olive oil and sea salt. Yeah. Only green vegetable my son will eat. So needless to say, like, it's, it's interesting. Like, I think it's always good to introduce them. I think one of the things that I try and do with Jack, particularly because Enzo doesn't understand entirely, uh, but also Enzo eats everything is that I keep saying to Jack, like your taste buds are changing. So sometimes I say, you know, I'm making this dish. You used to not like it, but I really appreciate it. If you would try it Mm -hmm. and you might be pleasantly surprised. And he is oftentimes it takes a few times, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he'll try it, you know, and there's a bunch of times where now we have incorporated better meals where I'm excited that Jack's excited about dinner. That is, that's fun. He likes it, you know? So it's just, you know, it's totally normal for kids to have Bell and Evans chicken nuggets or good hot dogs, you know, stuff Mm -hmm. But it's also important to kind of like try and wiggle your way into and it. keep trying. Like, don't stop. Don't, yeah, it, it, I'm sure it's got to be one of the most frustrating battles to get your kids to eat what you're trying, what you want to eat, and don't don't stop. Don't yeah. stop. keep the faith. That's all it is. You just have to keep trying, and I think yeah. that that's really really important to keep doing. Yeah. All right. Great advice. Jer from Facebook says or asks, my daughter has recently decided to become vegan. I'm not, and my wife isn't either. I want to honor her new passion for eating vegan, but I don't always want to cook it. Do you have any ideas of what I can cook for my vegan daughter that would satisfy two meat eaters? Yes. So it's funny that this question came up because I recently went through this. So my sister and her husband both have gone vegan. Really? Yes. And so obviously we've been in a pandemic and I was pregnant for most of it. So for Thanksgiving, um, both my parents and my sister and her husband came down. Of course so they did. Knowing that, you know, and I also thought it was, I thought I was going to have the baby. So everyone was obviously here. Right, 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 right. But also to have Thanksgiving. So here I am thinking, okay, I'm like, well, it's like, you don't understand, like my sister would eat everything, everything. I mean, she eats yeah. things I don't even eat, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and all of a sudden she's like, yep, I'm vegan. I don't eat, she's not even a pescatarian anymore. She like doesn't eat fish. Okay. So like that right there, like threw me a huge, like, I was like, okay, I don't, I was like, let me think about this. I was like, let me think, but you know me, like if you're going to come to my house, it's the yep. thing in a B and B. So there's no way I'm going to have you come into my house and cook. You're getting like, like potatoes. Yeah. yeah. It was like, important to me that as the host, not only do you enjoy your time here, but I'm, I'm making you food, you know, yeah. like obviously breakfast foods and stuff. You can do your own thing, but yeah. But I was like, you know what, we're going to plan this. Cause we were planning three meals a day. Right. And I menu plan. So yeah, I've been planning longer than it's been a fad. So I, of course, printed um, my, my, I had a menu that I planned in advance and I sent it to both my parents and my sister. And smart. Said, That's smart. Here are the evenings that we're all together for dinners. We can figure out lunches as we go along. Cause sometimes we'll have leftovers. Mm-hmm. So side note, you and I know this professionally mm-hmm. when you are hosting and serving meals and you have different food preferences mm-hmm. and dietary restrictions mm-hmm. you never want the individual with the restriction to feel like they're missing singled out, 
everybody yeah. else is having. Yeah. So what we would often do at MIT is great. So we would have say salmon was the main course, but then you had those who did not eat fish. We would ensure that we would pan sear tofu yes. or something of the like, so that it looked precisely like the yes. salmon. And if the sides had any sort of dairy in it, we would ensure that sure it'd be the same sides minus those yep. dairy items. And that so it looks very similar. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's how I approached it. And that's how I would recommend a meat eater or a person oh, who good point. to approach dinner with your family. So, you know, for example, I had all the fixings for uh, Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. What I did was I had my gravy. I had a vegetarian gravy that mm-hmm. I, had. you know, I had the turkey with, you know, turkey and stuffing. I just made sure that I bought stuffing that was vegetarian based. Cause a lot of people don't know that the packets actually have chicken chickens. Yeah. Bouillon in it. Yeah. So I did that. Um, I went out and got plant-based butter because she also doesn't use a lot of oils in her food. So that too was kind of like an additional like challenge. So I did buy plant-based butter and it actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. So what I did was with meals that I knew like mashed potatoes and stuff like that, I was using that. Right. You know, and I would have a different side where I would whip them with cream so that those who wanted it could have it. Um, you know, I did, you know, tried to do simple, uh, dinners like taco night. Right. So I would do ground Turkey for the rest of us, mm-hmm. ground tempeh for uh-huh. her using yeah. the same, same seasoning packet. But again, like she had tempeh, Smart. Had, you know, Turkey, yeah. um, I made a curry chicken and I had two Dutch ovens going. So one was just full of vegetables and Smart. then I had chicken curry with the vegetables, you know, so like they had different things. Um, but even when I made, I made meatballs and pasta and I made popete with, mm-hmm. with you know, oh. it's sort of the same thing. So I get it. It's a little bit of an extra legwork to make like one smaller thing. But if you love a dish that you and your wife really enjoy making and you want to yeah. make it, just, just think about it for a second and think about, okay, like, can I make this with tempeh or can I make this with yeah. tofu? That way you can all enjoy the same meal and you're not feeling like you're forced to eat it because I wasn't going to eat tofu and tempeh. Do you know no. what I mean? That's just not my, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, for sure. No, so. I think that's a great point. And like, there's also the beyond meat, um, craze and, and yeah. impossible burger meat that you can buy now in packets at whole foods. But then also I love, sometimes we don't eat meat and we'll just substitute beans in for whatever, like in the, the tacos, black beans or or doing like a Greek salad bowl, but instead of chicken roasting chickpeas and stuff like that. And I I think that's also, it's a good point that like, if you eat meat and your child doesn't, then just subbing, doing like make your own stuff and having like a little thing for them. And then you and your partner can eat whatever. I think those are awesome, awesome ideas. Emily in Las Vegas asks, what are your favorite family recipes that would be good for teenagers who have an attitude about everything and only want pizza? So I this from my own experience uh, in cooking for some of my, my nieces and nephews when we're mm-hmm. all there. Um, Cause we'll often be at the Cape and each family will take, you know, a night or two and, and make yeah. dinner for everyone. So I would say um, as simple as it sounds, you know, like a good pasta with a good tomato sauce and meatballs. I mean, I use turkey because my husband doesn't eat turkey. I uh, doesn't eat beef or pork. So mm. I've had to adjust all of my recipes accordingly. But um, uh, lasagna is always good. Um, I make good homemade chicken tenders, but also Hooner schnitzel is also really fun Ooh. with some basil or French fries. Like you can make it fun, you know, make it a fun thing. Yeah. Um, marinated grilled chicken. I know it sounds like it's not a, but it's so yummy. if you get a good marinade, it's amazing what a bunch of teenage boys will like devour. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then even tacos with seafood, if they eat seafood, fried shrimp tacos, or even a piece of cod and like breading it and then frying it, or even like, you know what I mean? Like there's like so good dishes like that. I think always work. I think those are great ideas. Darcy in Massachusetts asks, my son is looking for breakfast options that are low carb, healthy, and quick. He tends to eat a lot of cereal for breakfast because it's easy, but he also doesn't want to eat so many carbs. I'd like some ideas that he can make and leave me out of doing if possible. Oh, that's a really tough one. I mean, I think like the egg cups are easy. Like you could do like the little egg muffin cups and that would be low carb and I mean, she would probably have to do them. He's a teenager. He could probably, no, she's probably going to have to make them ahead of time. You don't think as a teenager, he's going to cook it himself? No, I, this is one of my good friends. She submitted this question and I know her and I know her son and she, her, for her, it's more, he's going to make such a mess in the kitchen that she doesn't want to deal with cleaning it up for something like that. You know, like, I mean, there's always Greek yogurt, but that's not as a kid, like, I don't know. That's not as fun. No, I mean, I think that if, if they're, if, if he's looking for something low carb, you can always get the Joseph's flaxseed wraps, which Those is like are great. Really? We're, they're my favorite. We use them all the time. In fact, we actually have them shipped from Lawrence to Virginia. Stop it. Yeah, that's right. I have a, I get them like every couple of months because we stop it. So like they freshly baked them. In fact, they were just freshly baked today and put in a box and shipped here today. I um, love it. And so I would almost recommend maybe making some breakfast burritos in That's advance. A I know it's like kind of a pain in the butt, but at least scrambled eggs are super easy. You can make scrambled eggs, add in like turkey bacon or regular mm-hmm. bacon or sausage if you want, even make it with veggies, then get the flaxseed wraps, right? Make burritos, wrap them up, and then wrap each one of them individually in the freezer and yeah. then pop it in the oven Smart. and it. I just, it's, it's like so hard to hear of a kid who wants a low carb <laughs> you he know goes to I mean? the gym too. He's the most don't, adorable human. Yeah. Don't kids live on carbs? <laughs> I know. I, I did. I still do. I have no problem. I love carbs and carbs love me. We have a great, we've had a long relationship for 40 years and it's going strong. <laughs> me and carbohydrates. Um, Matt from Instagram asks, I need help with some interesting recipes that I can make that don't take a ton of effort. I work full time. I have three kids. Any help would be great. I mean, any. So the first thing is menu plan, sit down on the weekend or whenever it is before you need to go grocery shopping, mm-hmm. you, you menu plan for just a few days in advance, like sit down and think about what do you have in your cupboard? What do you have in your fridge? What do you have in your freezer? Okay, great. What can you make with all of that? Um, recipes that, that use the Dutch oven and yeah. the instant pot are huge lifesavers for parents. Yeah. The Dutch oven is probably this, the first most used item in my kitchen. And I now own like four of them in four different sizes and four different <laughs> and like I'm obsessed with Dutch ovens because Dutch ovens thing is is that with a Dutch oven you can actually make a meal relatively easy and quickly and make ensuring that the meat will stay tender yeah in a Dutch oven stovetop or even you know starting at stovetop and, and plopping it in the oven and the same goes with Instapot if you have a good recipe that you typically make sometimes treating an Instapot sort of like a, um, what's the other thing I'm thinking Slow of? cooker. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the same way, except obviously adding a little bit more, um, liquid. To yeah. And so I would say Dutch oven stuff. So, you know, um, wait, hold on with your Instapot. Do you ever get the issue where it says burn? I, 
I am so, I'd love the Instapot, but man, oh man, I am so over it saying burn. And I've tried every way around it and I can't not get it not to burn anymore. So if there's rice, if it's like a rice dish, <laughs> look at the baby. But, Hi um, Jack. I would say that, um, I do get it, but it's truly when I've burnt something, like I haven't added enough liquid. Yeah. So like, I feel like that's the only time that I've really had that happen is, is because, um, there's just not enough liquid in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, some of the things I think about is, you know, I'll do chicken. So a lot of times it doesn't sound like that fancy, but it's actually really good. Mm. You take some chicken breast or chicken thighs, whatever you have, put a little olive oil in the Dutch oven, saute an onion. If you have one, I always recommend throwing in onions, like the mm-hmm. sweet onions, put in the chicken add some broth into your Dutch oven, add whatever fresh herbs you might have. If not some salt and pepper, let it cook and constantly sort of check it and turn the chicken over. It, it creates the, the chicken broth with the oil and sometimes the onions creates this glaze that I I can't really describe, Mm. but as it cooks, right. The chicken just essentially falls apart. You can shred it. You can make whatever you can just serve it with some vegetables on the side, but Mm. sort of taking that concept you then sort of can add in whatever you want. Like I make deconstructed chicken parm. That is an easy meal for me and my family. It's an, it's often something I do like every week or every other week where mm-hmm. I literally will do olive oil, a couple of onions. I layer it all. You know, I do the, uh, the chicken and I'll put the tomato sauce in. I'll add some cheese and a bunch of fresh herbs. I'll let it cook for a little bit. I'll keep stirring it because sometimes it can get a little sticky at the bottom. Um, and then like I'll add in, oh, and there's chicken broth obviously in there yeah. too. Um, but then like, I kind of let it all start to cook and all, like when 10, 20 minutes before it's done, I then add in breadcrumbs, Oh, more cheese. So it literally becomes like, you've just like this pot of chicken, of deconstructed chicken parm. Oh my gosh. Over and we'll keep the sauce and knead it over pasta the next day for lunch and stuff like that. So that's awesome. But definitely pre, you know, I know that it's not ideal, but I think if you have these resources to get some, get some pre-made sauces, there's nothing wrong with going oh. to Chico's and getting the tikka masala, if you like it and throwing that in the Dutch oven with some chicken. And some yeah, chicken you're right. Milk. You know what I mean? Like that's, you still want to make a wholesome meal and feel like you're cooking from scratch, but there's no harm in getting no. a pre-made jar, a, you know, good quality sauce and yeah. making it and throwing it. But that's how my Dutch oven works for me. Right. I just throw it in there, you know, and it's so easy or even. Yeah. No, I agree. And like a tiny bit of planning, I think goes a long way. There's a good cookbook. Um, it's skinny taste her newest cookbook. And it's a lot of make ahead meals that like she will do plop everything in large freezer bags, freeze it. And she freezes it in the shape of the insert for the Instapot in the bag. So she puts the bag in the insert for the Instapot, puts all the shit in it, zips it up, puts the whole thing in the freezer. And then once it's frozen, just takes the, takes it out, puts the insert back in the Instapot. But then it's perfect that all you got to do is unzip it. And when it's frozen, put it right in the Instapot and then it just cooks. So it's stuff like that. I think, but like you said, really planning ahead just a little bit is your friend and will help so much long-term, I think with this issue, Matt. So, um, we wish you all the best of luck, you know, and encourage the kids to help in the kitchen too. Right. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say how old they are, so I'm sure they can help in some way. Absolutely. I mean, kids love to do something, even if it's the smallest task, you know, definitely involve them in there. So yeah, absolutely. 
this is a, I love this question because it's near and dear to my heart and I don't have children. Paulina in Rhode Island asks or says, have you taken any kid-friendly trips before COVID obviously that don't involve Disney World land or really any theme park? I can't stomach going to theme parks. <laughs> um, every, every trip you make is a kid trip. <laughs> At least in my <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I've done the theme parks with them, but um, I mean, every trip I do as a kid is a kid friendly. I have to think about, you know, if we're going somewhere, even if it's going to DC for the day or, or doing something, um, or even if we, we drove down to Florida once to go see my parents and we yeah. stopped, you know, Savannah on the way, you, you make it a kid's trip by thinking about things that your kids would be interested by, right? So there's the things you want to see as an adult and you're going to see them mm -hmm. and drag the kids there regardless. Yeah. But then, you know, depending on what their age is, find, find a good couple of parks, hang out with like a, a coffee or a beer and let them play for an hour. You know, uh, if they're interested in something specific, go to a particular museum that you think that they would enjoy. Right. Like, you know, you, you have to sort of balance it out between what the adults want and what the kids want. I mean, there were times I remember when we went to California, there was a point where Jack was kind of like losing it. Like he was just, I yeah. think he was kind of bored. He didn't really do a lot of things that he found to be all that interesting. And he had a ton of energy. And it was awful. I'm not going to lie. I don't like these places at all. But John was like, you know what? He needs to just get out energy. Let's just find like a place, like, you know, whether it was like a bounce park or something and let yeah. him just go. And I think that's what we did. We were outside, we were in one country and we were at a hotel and it was at night and it was freezing cold when it's, you know, never supposed yeah. to. And we, we, we drove to one and we spent like a good hour there and Jack got to jump around on the, you know, the, the thing and play a couple of games, but that's yeah. what it you know, and so sometimes you just have to sacrifice and, and put aside some time to ensure that there are things that your kids enjoy too. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Balance. Got to balance. Shauna from Instagram asks, my husband and I are actually thinking about having kids, but honestly, I'm worried about how to balance it all. Speaking of balance, how do you do it? Do you have any tips on how to be a cool parent who has a career and a life outside of being a parent? It's not an easy question to answer because everyone is so different in terms of how they approach things and life mm -hmm. and everything, you know, what works for us might not work for others. You know, it's largely part to, you know, how do you deal with stress? How do you, how do you multitask? You know, how do you handle challenges? Mm. You know, I think it's one of those things, you know, and I think overall, if something's really important to you, you're going to make the time to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, you know, being a parent and having a career, you're going to make it work. You're going to find a daycare where you feel comfortable. You're going to send your kids there. You're going to find your rhythm. You're going to see what works great for your kid and, and you and, and balancing that out. You still want to go out and have dinners, hire a sitter or drop them off at, you know, grandparents mm -hmm. house if they're close by. Um, you know, it's, and even having like a life, like you make it happen, right? You mm -hmm. know, not like you have a kid and then all of a sudden you don't leave the house. Right. Have a kid, have a baby, leave the house, like go out. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's oftentimes you hear people say, oh, when I have kids, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I think for the most part, like we all chuckle, like, sure. Like a lot of people will say things like that, but it's, it kind of goes hand in hand. Like I remember when I was pregnant with Jack, everyone was like, oh, we'll have, it's too bad. You won't be able to travel anymore. You won't be able to do that anymore. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. I'm like, we're going to, we're going to keep doing our yeah. lives, you know, our lives aren't going to change. And they didn't obviously, no. obviously they do with children, your life. Changes. Yeah. Well, you, you work around it, you make it work. You, you, you just, it just happens naturally. So 
there's no easy answer to that. You just have to do it and experience it and figure out what works for you, you know? Right. And don't live in fear. Like you're saying. And I think, I mean, I think you and John are incredible parents. And I think a lot of people would aspire to be as laid back as you guys are. I mean, you do an incredible job raising your children and they're really amazing little tiny humans, you know? And I think like you said, in the top of the call is that you really push your kids to have independence from you and John and like in a really healthy way. So they can be their own little balls of awesome. I mean, you're there obviously, and they're still kids. They're not 25, even though Jack is probably more mature than I am at times, but like literally you guys, but you still like, like I just said a few minutes ago, like you still go and eat ramen together. And like Jack likes ramen. Like you still go to breweries and like, you still or you have a life because you chose to, you know, like you travel with the kids because you're not afraid to. And like you said, sometimes it's a shit show. Sometimes they have meltdowns, but that's life. And that makes the good times even better. And the bad times are fine. Like contrast isn't bad. It's just another learning and teaching tool. We're all learning and growing, right? As humans reading rainbow, um, great tips. Frank in DC asks, my kids are such pains when it comes to getting them to try new foods. How do you get your kids to eat new things? Bribe them or threaten them, whatever works. Fair enough. Yeah. That's there you go. You can use the answer there. Yeah. Like, what do you bribe them with? Whatever they want. If you want it. Oh, you want a cookie? All right. I'll give you a cookie if you try this. And it's oh. a bad, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of times where like, I fight, like you were just saying ramen, like Jack recently has discovered a love for chicken teriyaki. Perfect. that you could never have eaten before. Right. So we were yeah. eating at the Japanese restaurant this weekend too. And, but I'm pretty sure it was one of those times where I was like, eat the chicken now, or I, I either threatened him or I bribed him with something. Like if you want ice cream, you're going to try the chicken. And right. like, sometimes he's pleasantly surprised. It's, it's 50, 50, you know, it's very 50, 50. <laughs> A lot of the times he gives me this like awful, awful look as he's like swallowing it. And I'm like, Oh, great. Like and you're poisoning him. Like it, who doesn't like chicken teriyaki? I'm salivating over chicken teriyaki. Yeah. I would eat it right now. Yeah. So it's like, you know, one of those things where I definitely bribed him with ice cream or dessert or something. And then, or what's I, your go-to threat when you threaten them? I'm not going to feed you. I'm not going to keep you dinner. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know. You're I'm just like, going to starve. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to make you dinner. I'm like, you can just, yeah. you know, I'm just not, or, you know, I'll take that nice Lego. <laughs> You know that thing you just got it's going it really depends on our mood we're not very patient people for the most part which is shocking <laughs> with the kids but you know the pandemic has really tested us I'm sure. um, god you know, i'm sure but you know it's just you know i think you just gotta oh you, know, you want to watch tv or you want your ipad eat the chicken try try just try it you know and like you know you just gotta do it so yeah i love it at least you're honest jill from facebook writes it feels like my kids are always hungry. I mean, always. Every time I walk near the kitchen, one of them is asking me for something to eat. Do you have any kid-friendly snack ideas that don't involve processed foods? It's kind of tough because I feel like we sort of have like an, our pantry, like half the pantry is just full of snacks for the kids. And yeah. we sort of designed it so that they could kind of go get it themselves, which was like a blessing, mm-hmm. kind of, but it's, it's actually not because they waste so much food. But um, <laughs> I would say in my house, I have a lot of fruit. Yeah. And I have a lot of fruit baskets. So Enzo can kind of get up and, and get out, you know, he kind of will peel it off the, the counter, you know, apple or pear mm-hmm. or, or tangerines. Um, yogurt is always a big mm-hmm. hit. Cheese is a big mm-hmm. hit in our house. So if you find a cheese that your kids like, I highly recommend the Monterey Jack from Trader Joe's for kids. It's mm-hmm. really, really good Monterey Jack. Mm-hmm. And it's also just, 
it's, it's, it's good. It's something that the kids really end up enjoying, you know, yeah. and it's not like those individually wrapped. Right. Know, and it's so much waste. It's, it's an yeah. actual, like it's a good piece of cheese and it's a good way to mm-hmm. get the, the cheese. Mm-hmm. Lots of crackers. Although I guess, is that considered processed? Does it matter? No, I don't think it matters. No. Um, deli meat rolled up. So Jack will eat, you know, rolled up ham, you know, mm-hmm. um, toast. Um, I feel like you can buy a lot of like dry oh. foods that are minimally processed. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of straw, I, we do strawberries and chocolate hummus Ooh. and Jack really enjoys that, um, carrots and peanut butter. So like you do carrots as like a snack or peanut butter with like Ritz crackers, mm-hmm. you know, just something like simple or even just buy the Ritz crackers with peanut butter. Yeah, sure. Something, you know? Yeah. No, those are great ideas. Lindsay. Oh, this is a funny one. I just said I'm not this person. Lindsay in New Hampshire writes, I'm one of those people who see kids on planes and cringe. I had a baby last year and now I need to take my new baby to see his grandparents in California. We're in New Hampshire. Do you have any airline travel tips for a new mom with a newborn who's very self-conscious about taking their child on a plane for the first time? So I have a newsflash for you. Every parent is self-conscious about bringing their child, no matter what age, on an airplane. If mm. they realize they're full of it. So we're pretty laid back people, but I can tell you that the entire time I'm on a plane, I am like panicked about what people are saying, what people are thinking, like I'm trying to, and usually I have to find a moment where I'm like, okay, it is what it is, Pam. Like, yeah. But with infants, I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of experience with that. So, um, I recommend having a bottle ready to go, like before you get on the airplane. So mm-hmm. it's going to be challenging depending on where you're flying into and stuff like that. So if you're nursing, that's great. And if you are able to pump a bottle beforehand and obviously get it through security, wonderful. If you're, if you're supplementing or just using Florent formula, um, sometimes they, there's the powder form that you then have to like, just do after mm-hmm. you security or uh, the liquid form definitely have a bottle ready if they're ready for a bottle. Um, or if they have a pacifier, definitely have a pacifier ready. Mm -hmm. What I tend to do is I tend to not feed them. I try not to feed them for a good hour or so before I get on the airplane, I try to entertain them, have them look around, kind of get them a little tired, right. Mm -hmm. Really over, you know, overstimulation, Mm -hmm. um, keep the baby awake. Obviously when you get on the airplane and the plane starts to leave, it's like starts to drive to get out. Yeah. See out start to get ready to start to feed. Do not stick the baby on the boob or the bottle until you're about to get, like as, as the plane is going really, really fast and ta- taxing off, that's when I stick them on the boob Ooh. or the bottle. Because what ends up happening is the minute you start la- you start lifting off, yeah. the ears start popping and that's what the babies and like young children tend to hurt. So even with like young toddlers, I give them like a lollipop, mm. I give them something to suck on. They need to be sucking on something. So what I do is by not feeding them, keeping them overstimulated, I then stick them on the boob or a bottle or give them a pacifier. That way the entire time we're getting into the air until we're like at that level where we're just sort of staying at, that's 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 when I'll pull them off or, let, or, or what they tend to do more often is not is they pass out. Oh, really? They'll be eating and then they'll pass out and then you don't have to worry about anything. <sighs> so that's, so definitely don't feed just be ready to nurse or give them a bottle or a pacifier as you're taxing off, getting into the air. Once the plane is, is, is done, that's when you can kind of relax a little bit and, and, and not worry because so long as they're sucking and their ears, mm-hmm. 
up. That's what, that's what you're trying to do. That's awesome. And then if for the long international flights, do you try to withhold the iPad as long as humanly possible? Um, yes, I do. Um, uh, because obviously I don't want them to have their face in the screen the entire time. Right. And the thing is with international flights, you, um, you want to sleep on the way there. We, that's yeah. what you hope to do. Yeah. Cause jet lag's a, a nightmare. Like remember as a kid, like if you traveled as a kid, I remember how exciting it was to like oh, get yeah. screen and see the screen in front of you and see all the movies that you didn't have at home. Yeah. Same thing still, you know, there's still, so, you know, we always have conversations with them and say, you know, we're not going to have the iPad. We're going to hang out for a little bit and have some snacks before we get on. And then not until we're like about to take off. Will I let them have the screens? And then we, we, we kind of set like a bedtime. So. Oh, that's awesome. I wish I could set a bedtime for myself on an airplane. I can't sleep on planes. Now this is another good segue. So Edward in Kentucky writes, my partner and I are going to be taking our two kids to Europe this fall. God willing, they're under six. And I don't know how we are going to deal with jet lag. Do you have any ideas of how to deal with it? So like I said before, if they're going to Europe and depending on where they're going in Europe, they're likely going to have a, an evening flight. Yeah. So it's definitely important to like, make sure they have a good dinner beforehand, have some fun activities. There's some great Melissa and Doug, like water, you know, you stick water in a pen and like you color the pages and they, they you know, they, they change color things mm-hmm. of that nature that you can kind of entertain them, especially if you're not interested in always having an iPad in them. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely have headphones with the jack because they are going to want to watch cartoons on the TV that's in front of them mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but if you can, you know, it's, it's challenging to get kids to fall asleep, but you do have to realize, you know, it's like being on a European flight, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's always like a good hour and a half, two hours by the time, like you Easily, dip- don't feed me. Don't, I don't even want to eat like at nine 30 at night when you're taking off and you're going to wherever Rome. And then the food doesn't come out until we're way like an hour and a half in, like you're saying, and it's now 11. My, my Tylenol PM is already kicked in folks. Like I am ready. I, my, I took my edible and I took my Tylenol PM. Mama's good. Exactly. So certainly you know, that's the challenge too, is you can't try and get them to go to bed too early because yeah, the, the cabin lights are on. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to kind of think that, think about that. One thing I do recommend testing out in advance is if you are concerned that your kid is not going to fall asleep on an airplane way before you go on a trip, try children's melatonin. Yeah. Gummy forms. They come in two different, you know, you can get a Mm -hmm. 0.5 or a ones. We occasionally use them for Enzo now to help him. Mm -hmm. But if you can test it out, cause some kids will, we tested it on Jack on the flight home from Turkey. That was a really bad. bad I remember. So, um, I recommend testing that out in advance. Um, but you know, try it. And if it helps your kids fall asleep, then you might find yourself in a situation where after they've eaten on the airplane Mm -hmm. or one cartoons that giving them that. And then 30 minutes later, they might pass out. And then that'll be really helpful for you because they'll be less, you know, worried. But I think if you can't get them to sleep, it's fine. What's really important is that you plan your trip accordingly to know that your first day, you really just need to take it easy. Mm-hmm. Don't think you're just going to get there, get to your hotel, your Airbnb, have, you know, take a shower. And then you guys are going to go like sightseeing for five hours. No, no. That's not going to happen. That's not no. going to happen. You need to give the kids like a good solid day to get used to it. But usually I'd say like kids are pretty resilient more I'd than say, adults. Yeah, yeah they, def- they really are. So, I mean, I think that if you can kind of keep them awake as much as you can that first day and yeah. to bedtime, you're golden the second day. I feel like it's pretty good. Yeah. Unlike adults. Um, okay. 
last listener question uh lisa from instagram writes i love my kids but they're driving me crazy i guess it's a covid thing i love it do you have any breakfast ideas during the week that don't involve me cooking different things for each kid i do i mean i feel like I feel like if you're going to start a new regimen where you're not making them individual items as you have been doing, you need to have a conversation with them regardless of how old That's they good are. good point. Yeah. That's important. You can't just like wake up one day and say, I'm not making X, Y, and Z. You're yeah. going to, you know, have a conversation with them and start it um, and try to be consistent during the first week. Um, so we're, we have a pretty consistent breakfast game in our house. John sort of like, will make breakfast for us and we'll handle most of the breakfast in our house. Mm. Um, I make buttermilk pancakes from scratch for Jack and I've been making them for scratch for, I don't know, since he was like two or three. And we, so we always have a batch of pancake mix in the fridge mm. uh, and we have like a, a stove top. Um, like a griddle. Yeah. So we yeah. have that out, but we'll also use the same batter to make um, waffles or puffetages. Mm. So we change it up a little bit. Um, puffetages for those who don't know are miniature pancakes. They're from uh, the Netherlands and it's like the street food. And so Jack became obsessed with them. So I had a puffetage pan sent to my house <laughs> before I even got home from that trip. Uh, so I could then recreate them for him. But, you know, I think, you know, if you don't want to do pancake, having things already sort of pre-made in the fridge, make things a lot easier if your kids want pancakes or, or waffles or something, and you have a waffle maker, you can quickly mm -hmm. plug and make them. Um, and put a little butter and like powdered sugar on them and yeah. kids will love it. Um, so that's one item. Um, we always have turkey bacon and turkey sausages, which mm -hmm. take two seconds to cook on the stove. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of, you know, Jack gets the pancakes. If Enzo wants them, he has the option, right? Yeah. Enzo eats the sausages, Jack <laughs> eats the bacon, you know, but like all of yeah. us will nibble at whatever else is there, you know? Um, but always have fresh fruit and yogurt too, you know, and, and we've just recently begun allowing them to have cereal. Not that we were like withholding it. It just yeah. was, you know, they, they have just discovered it recently. Yeah. So they occasionally say, no, I don't want sausage. I want some cereal, which is great because that's also super easy. You can yeah. Oh yeah. So no, those are great tips. So you are an amazing home cook as we all know now, and I've known for lifetime. What are you making right now? Like, what are you into cooking right now? Um, I know it doesn't sound terribly exciting, but yeah. it's nice weather and I really love my grill right now. Yeah. I just love, it's just so easy. Cleanup is so easy when you're grilling. So easy. And it's like, especially when I'm by myself or even mm -hmm. we're both working, it's like we're home here in a pandemic and it's kind of crazy. Like you think being at home, you have all of this extra time to do things and you really don't. I feel mm -hmm. like you longer hours and you're like also then like tired by the time it's time to make dinner you know yeah I think I made more fancy meals at night when I was working at the office I mean it's true yeah it's kind of weird to think of it that way yeah you know? um but grilling I'm really into grilling um uh, so I really love just finding really good marinades and putting them on the grill um I've actually been making a lot of fried chicken in the air fryer because <sighs> the episodes you did with yeah. Sam yeah. And I've been obsessed. I still cannot get my hands on that damn spice. Well, yeah, they're coming out with more. So when it comes out, I will let you know. Oh, I know. I've been nudging Spice Walla every week. Oh my gosh. I like tried to, I reached out to companies in Kentucky that were selling it that don't even ship. And I was like, would you ship this to me? Like, is that possible? So because I was so obsessed with the idea, I have been making my own version of what I'd like to think her friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
to you, I obviously now add the cornstarch and the potato starch into the, like the mix. Yep. But I was, I throw in, I have a lot of Indian seasonings. I cook a lot of Indian Me food. Me too. It would definitely rival uh, Padma Lakshmi's like <sighs> right now, and so I was just like throwing in things, thinking like this is what I think mm-hmm. same, like fried chicken tastes like. Um, I recently got some spices from Cinnamon Organics, and I love got them unroasted and roasted curry, which I was so interested in because the curry powder I typically have, yeah, like, like jars and jars, is really the spicy yellow yeah. or the mild yellow, yeah. It's never the green no. roasted or roasted. And so it was so interesting how Sri Lankan cooking, yeah. that's a big element. And so my really good friend is Sri Lankan and her mom is the most amazing. Like I, I, I salivate thinking of her mother's cooking curry. And of course, you know how it is. It's like my nonna. No one writes anything down. No. There's no recipes. Like, it's nope. kind of like they just know how to make it. So right now I'm actually, I've been researching uh, Sri Lankan chicken curries. And what I have a cookbook about? for you. Oh, you do? Which one? It's, um, I will send you a link or I'll, I'll text it to you and I'll put it in the show notes. It's, I can't remember the exact name of it, but I'm friends and working with cinnamon tree organics. So the owner told me about a cookbook that her friend from Sri Lanka wrote, and it has all of these really, really, really good Sri Lankan recipes. So I will, I will let you know, I forget the name. It's like milk, nut, I don't know. Curry leaves, nut, I don't know. I don't know. It's downstairs, but I will. And the recipes are really good. Okay. Awesome. No, I'm very excited. So yeah, that's what I'm excited about cooking is grilling and finding a good Sri Lankan chicken curry right now. (laughs) Done. I can make your dreams come true. Okay. So I got to ask you the last question that I ask everybody. COVID wasn't a thing and you had bazillions of millions of dollars. Where are you going and what are you eating? Japan. And I'm eating all of the sushi and all of the ramen that I can get my hands on. I love that. Yeah. Are you taking your children? Pre-COVID, yes. We were going we were going to plan a trip and we were going to go. This was, you know, pre-baby and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was gonna be my plan for after the holidays, you know, a year ago. I really wanted to go to Japan. I've been dying to go to Japan for so long and I really yeah. want to take not just go to like the main cities. I wanted to kind of take a couple of weeks and really go around, but yeah, all these visions of seeing Enzo and Jack with their chopsticks and their ramen, you know, and totally sushi. Jack will eat certain sushi. So, you know. Um, yeah, no, definitely Japan. I just, I love, I love that. I love the simplicity of it. It's like, it's simple yet. It's not at the same time. Yeah. It's just absolutely delicious and beautiful. I agree. It is so good to see your face. I love you more than words can say. Thank you so much for coming on. And we definitely need to make some plans. I'll come down to DC. You've got your hands full or the next time you come up here, let's cause you're kind of, you always come up in the summer. We'll definitely hang out. Yes. Yes. All right. I love you. I love you, mama. My <laughs> <laughs> little nugget. I know I heard that burp. <laughs> I, was like, I was hoping it wasn't like an explosive burp. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you later, sweetie. Bye. Bye. Pam. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and answering all of those incredible listener questions. I can't wait to share a glass of wine with you in the very, very, very near future. And an update Pam actually received all of the spices that Spicewalla and Tuck Tuck Lex did um, from a wonderful company, I believe in Lexington, Kentucky. So thank you to that company. 
Pam is now hooked up. I believe she has three or four tins of the spice. So if anyone's looking for some, she may be able to send you some. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your questions. If you have any questions for the podcast or you want to work with me on food and product photography, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Check out the show notes on my website, elizabethrfuller.com. Tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Until next time, you guys, cook some amazing food together, lead with kindness, be safe, and have some fun. I'll see you next week. Bye.